coming up on Life is a Festival. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the process of deciding that you deserve it. And one way that I've decided that I deserve it is through fashion and through this way that we ordain ourselves or um, decorate ourselves with what we wear. And, you know, for women with curves, for women who are bigger, we're told, you know, wear dark things, wear black is slimming. Well, you know, I love rainbows. <laughs> I love tie-dye. I love all things purple, all things fuchsia. Um, you know, maybe it's not about slimming. Maybe it's about, you know, maybe that's such a disservice uh, about not being able to really stand in who you are. And it's so cool to me right now that diversity is being celebrated in this space. My name is Eamon Armstrong, and this is Life is a Festival. This podcast is a celebration of thinkers and leaders who live their lives with the open-hearted, experimental joy of a festival. Each week, we converse in complete openness, in an ongoing quest to find those boundaries in our being and melt them into lofty horizons. Life is a festival, only to the wise. So the other day, in our new Life is a Festival Facebook group, my friend Taylor asked the question, what does living life like a festival mean to you? And we got some great responses. And I'm going to read mine here. For me, living life like a festival means saying yes to the flow of synchronicity in the spirit of open play, joy, and experimentation. Well, today's episode of the podcast totally came out of a serendipitous yes. My friend, Lizzie Rose, has been doing a series of photos of artists in their home. She asked if she could come to my house and shoot me. Of course, I was thrilled and said yes, and we'd been trying to line that up for a little while now. So last week, she came over and we did a photo shoot in my home. While we were doing the shoot, she asked me to speak about life as a festival, and I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to record my own idea of what it is I'm trying to do here. So I grabbed my trusty H6 handy recorder, my SM58 mic, my XLR cable, and I started talking about life as a festival. During the conversation, Lizzie started sharing some really beautiful insights about her own life and what living a life like a festival means for her, what it means to live a life that is expressive and alive and large. She pointed out that an irony for her is that being a curvy woman, she spent much of her life trying to be small. Well, of course, that perked up my attention and opened the door for a beautiful conversation that I'd like to share with you now. So Lizzie Rose is a really inspiring woman. She is a professional photographer. She shoots festivals and festival fashion, um, and she's managed to make a living from doing that and lives here in San Francisco. Lizzie Rose considers herself a fashion and lifestyle photographer and entrepreneur and is on a mission to add more celebration to each day. Her tools of choice are photography, humor, storytelling, and compassion. And so today on the podcast, we started talking about me and this show. There's about 20 minutes of that. And then we get to talk about Lizzie. And I'm so honored to offer her perspective to you on the show today. So please enjoy Miss. Lizzie Rose. 
I'm going to record it because I have the liberty of, of recording it. Um, how's my hair? That's, that's what I want to communicate to my audience is that I have, <laughs> that I have really excellent hair. It's well-appointed. Everything in its right place. Um, I am a communicator. I found that to be my superpower. And um, communicate to connect, to build community. That's basically, that's like my flow is how do I use, you know what's interesting? I was at Envision um, in 2015 and an old Tico woman walked up to me and gave me this card it was like a Jesus blessing card, which is not usually my thing is Jesus blessings. And it said, create to connect. That was the card. And um, that's really what Fest 300 was, was about creation for the sake of connection. And um, I love fabulous adventure. I love the, I love traveling the world and meeting new people and this kind of colorful, expressive self. And I feel that my life's work is to be the biggest self I can be in a way that empowers and emboldens others to express themselves most vastly. And more than simply giving them permission, to explicitly give them permission. And as I've matured and I've moved from cultivating my own bigness and cultivating my own truth and cultivating my own expression, as I've matured and the focus has become less on me, as I get more secure in myself, I need to show myself less. And so the focus can become more on others. I'm still enamored with human blossoming. And I still feel that modeling it is an important, that's my way, you know, serve in the way that feeds you most. I serve by modeling this, this self. But the focus has become more and more on others. And now with the podcast, the podcast is about my guests and it's about platforming these fabulous people and encouraging my listeners to live a life more fabulous and a life of adventure and a life of play. And when you were saying, am I doing a rebrand with Fast 300? Fast 300, (laughs) see? Um, Life is a festival. When I started Life as a Festival, I was still very much in the space of the aftermath of Fest 300 and Everfest, and I was still my my thing in the world is is I'm the, I'm a festival person. I promote festivals, but Life as a Festival isn't about festivals, and that's part. I mean, part of the access point is through festival culture and the type of people who throw festivals and participate in festivals. But it's not about festivals. It's not a podcast about festivals. It's not about throwing festivals or attending festivals. It's about all the things we use to expand our boundaries into horizons in their most creative, artistic, alive expression. So life is a festival is about living a life that feels like a festival, that feels alive and true and expressed and playful and connected. And so the podcast is about everything, but with this sort of colorful, artistic, playful, hopeful, optimistic lens. So Tim Ferriss is personal growth for productivity, right? To win, 
I'm not interested in winning. I'm interested in playing bigger and better games. I'm interested in expanding. So this is not personal growth for productivity. It's personal growth for the fabulous adventure of it. Have you have you heard of the book uh, Finite and Infinite Games? So this is a philosophical text that I've become very enamored with. Finite and infinite games. And it basically breaks the world down. Everything is either playing a finite game or an infinite game. And a finite game you play to win. And an infinite game you play to create more games. So you can either live your life as if it is a finite game that you wish to win, in which there's a zero-sum game, other people are your adversaries, you want to win a title, you want, to, you want your title to live forever, but you want the game to end, versus an infinite game, which is you want to include more people. It's not about winning, it's about enduring the game. It's not about the title, it's about the play itself. And um, it's not about ending, uh, It's it's... Can, to make the game go on forever, um, not to win an individual game. And uh, it's such a great book. It breaks down every, it's like, it talks about um, gardening versus agriculture. And an infinite game is gardening. A finite game is like machine agriculture, where the finite game is the point of like getting the yield from the plant. But gardening is about letting the garden grow and facil- and playing with the garden. Totally. And it goes through and breaks down so much of life. And my favorite quote from the whole book, and a quote that really deeply inspires this podcast, is fi- infinite players play in complete openness. It's not openness as in candor. It's openness as in vulnerability. It's not revealing the fixed self that has always been, but the dynamic self that is yet to be. The The idea that there is a fixed self that you could reveal by vulnerability, that's a finite perspective. The idea that vulnerability allows you to co-create a dynamic self that is yet to be is an infinite perspective of both self and what it means to be vulnerable and what it means to create identity. It's the difference between playing within boundaries versus playing with boundaries. So like sexuality is a great thing for that. Like an infinite perspective of sexuality is that you have one fixed identity and that the point of sexuality is to be this fixed thing. Whereas an infinite perspective of sexuality is is necessarily transgressive because you're playing with the boundaries. I am not even bisexual because it's that's a boundary to be or not, not to be. I'm some somewhere else. We, when you asked if there's a rebrand on the podcast, I was trying to think like what what would I call something like this? It's still life is a festival because life is a festival just life's fun. Make life play. You know, that's life is a festival. But really, the project of life is a festival is how do we find the boundaries within ourselves and by sitting at our uncomfortable edge, whether it's uncomfortable in fun ways, um, psychedelics, uncomfortable in really painful ways, discussions about race, uncomfortable in icky ways, sexual shame, whatever that discomfort with the edge is, as we sit by that edge in our being, we can experience it melting away and becoming a vast horizon. 
this is the experience of creating infinite play. That edge becomes a horizon. And the play isn't, oh, now I have a horizon, now I'm going to play in it. The play was happening the whole time. The play is sitting at the edge. The play is the melting away of the boundary. The play is the experiencing of the horizon and then bounding forth into this vast horizon until you find another edge, another place to um, uh, ameliorate these hard edges in your being and in this way expand your consciousness and ultimately be more joyful, connected. And what's interesting is of service to other people because the more you expand you the less you there, the less little you there is because you're expanding bigger than the small egoic self. Uh, what you're discussing is really kind of empowering me with something that I've been working on um, is I noticed that there was such a lack of body positivity and size inclusivity within the festival industry. You know, I've spent three years shooting fashion and each time I was shooting something that I could never wear. And it's this place where everyone's supposed to be welcome but why aren't these brands you know accommodating that and so over time i noticed that there was space for somebody to step in and kind of you know embody that you know plus size meets fashion meets festival and to start opening up about that was like deciding that i deserve to be in that space and then like confronting the parts of me that were uncomfortable with being vulnerable about that struggle with, you know, my body and representing that and embodying myself at events. And so as I, you know, push these brands more and more to be inclusive, as well as like putting myself in front of the camera, it's been like really, really cool to watch all the people that are relating and a lot of people are, you know, taking more risks and they're, I feel like that openness is for everyone. And so just what you're saying is very, like, I don't know, it's making me realize that there is a ripple effect when you embody that, when you embody that change. You know, it's so funny, like, the irony of, like, being bigger but also being small, you know, and uh, how we're, I don't know. Wait, would you say that in the microphone? There's so much irony when, uh, you know, you are bigger but also are cornered into being more small. And I think a lot of times uh, we hide and we're afraid to take up space. And so something I've been focused on lately is that I deserve to take up space and I deserve to do so as boldly and as colorfully and as, you know, as radiantly as I want. And I've always been very, I've always been very drawn to colors and very drawn to patterns. And it took a long time for me to decide that I deserved to stand in my power and take up space in that way. And it's interesting having captured people taking up space for so long that it became my journey to decide I deserved the same. And as I do so more and more, and as I walk forward in that power, I feel that ripple effect that other people are feeling empowered to radiate their essence as well. Is that exactly how you were saying? This is fucking good. I'm going to grab another mic and let's just continue to have a conversation on two mics while we're doing the shoot. Because it's great. I mean, this is... No, it's perfect. Well, it's perfect. I mean, we can both do our art at the same time. Um, hold on. It's such a... 
See, now I just want to do a podcast. You know, like, no, don't be sorry. No, this is exactly the thing. Don't be sorry. You know, here you are. You're shooting me, but you're also telling me your story, which makes me want to do a podcast talking about you. That's perfect. Something that's not something we're sorry for. That's that's uh, that's the sum is greater than the the total is greater than the sum of its parts. We get cool shots of a really embodied and authentic conversation because I'm all lit up when I'm in this mode, and then. You're actually quite literally lit up right now. The the sun's hitting him very beautifully from from the back of his head. <laughs> well, and and what a cool, you know. And I need to go through and kind of edit and see what what this could look like. But what I love about a podcast is that it's not a radio show, it's not a video, it's not a piece of content. It is the recording of an event. It's the recording of a moment. And not say a, a video is a recording of an event, but there's something intimate about podcast audio where you're the fly on the wall of something real that's happening, a real conversation between two people. And this right now, you've come to my home to take photos of me, which I am very grateful for. And I'm all dressed up in a, in a blue velvet suit. Yes, and purple loafers. And, and purple <laughs> Italian leather loafers. Um lounging on a princely throne which to me like this current lounge is this is very me Mm -hmm. to be like it's like laid back and loungy and then we're having this conversation and it turns towards a plus size woman making herself small i just think that's such a beautiful turn of things and a beautiful thing to then include. Like, why, let's just have that conversation because mm-hmm. it's so, and the fact that you have in your own personal blossoming, not only wanted to be bigger for your own self, but wanted to be bigger for other women who are experiencing what you're experiencing. And that to me is super inspiring. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, definitely the process of deciding that you deserve it in one way that, I've decided that I deserve it is through fashion and through this way that we ordain ourselves or um, decorate ourselves with what we wear. And, you know, for women with curves, for women who are bigger, we're told, you know, wear dark things, wear black is slimming. Well, you know, I love rainbows. (laughs) I love tie-dye. I love all things purple, all things fuchsia. Um, You know, maybe it's not about slimming. Maybe it's about, you know, maybe that's such a disservice uh, about not being able to really stand in who you are. And it's so cool to me right now that diversity is being celebrated in this space. Um, In the space of festival culture or just in general? Well, with festival culture, I've always found that being you is a focus, right? People go to these events so that they can truly you know, get a different perspective on themselves. And um, for me, each time I go somewhere, it's an experiment in how can I fully embody myself and my energy here. Um, And for me, the fashion is such a huge part of it. Like I know I listened to your podcast with Ash and Tesla and they talking about um, how it's truly like an aspect of your personality. It's a way to say hi without even speaking. And, and to connect, too, because what you're broadcasting is going to attract certain people. Right. Absolutely. And so there's the personal journey of dressing myself and deciding to take up that space. But there's also the fact that what I'm shooting is making up for the advertisements that women are going to see online. When they're scrolling, they're seeing my photography representing these brands. Like, I'm 
physically have a role in the media now and in shaping what this advertisement looks like. And are are you shooting for the festivals or for fashion designers or? Yeah, I started out shooting festivals, so lifestyle and DJs. That's probably when we met a few years ago. And then eventually I realized that there wasn't much of a tie between the vendors and online. And so I really started developing this concept um, with a few brands, you know, starting out with Spirit Hoods and Warrior Within and um, taking outfits and clothes, putting them on models at festivals and shooting festival fashion at events. And so um, over time, that became the main focus of my business. So for the last two years, it's been completely festival and alternative fashion lifestyle outside of events and then also at events. And are you making enough money to support yourself as a full-time photographer? Yes. Damn. Yes. Most people do not get there. There are so many people, especially in the festival world, who are like eking out a hobby and are not able to support themselves. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's definitely something that is making me enough to survive right now. And that's because I love it. But I definitely am finding myself wanting to explore new ventures as an entrepreneur and not corner myself into just being a photographer. Um, there's many different paths out there. But one thing that I really love is the fact that it's allowed me to support independent designers and the person who's physically creating this thing. I shoot this thing and then this thing ends up in the hands of somebody who may not have seen it before. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely a blessing within that industry. And there's only a few ways to make it and you really got to forge your own path there. So we're, we'll, I think we'll have time. What's your time limitation at the moment? I just have to get something done around three. Okay, so cool. Yeah, I've I have a I have a podcast at four. Um, so why don't we talk for a little bit and then go back to shooting? Do you yeah, feel good about that? Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, that that feels good right now too. Um, so I have a couple of questions that popped up for me, and the first one that I would ask is: you refer to yourself as a plus sized woman. Um, can you talk a little bit about? how you the language you use to refer to yourself the language that other people would use to refer to you um when it comes to privilege those who have the privilege don't notice the people who don't and so when you talk about body privilege people who are in slender bodies slenderer bodies even you know they, mm-hmm. there is any there isn't like a, we don't have right. a word for that that's that's the default normal thing and then for someone who is in a curvy body, a bigger body, a different body, they're aware of that in the way that other people aren't. And so what, how do you describe yourself and how do other people, like what, how, how would you and I best have this conversation about what it means to be a plus size woman? What language would we use? You know, um, it's funny because I've always kind of, you know, grown up knowing that I was in a different type of body than those around me. And uh, I was always pretty okay with that. I was lucky enough to be mostly confident in that space. Um, and as I you know, grew older, I started realizing more and more that this was something that was different from my friends, from those around me. How, how old were you, when you when you felt that? Do you have a memory of when, you, when that really came home for you? Yeah, I mean, I remember being little and writing in my journal about, you know, the fact that I had a tummy and the fact that I felt like I was different from my friends. And then, of course, as you get older, you know, there's like 13, 14 years old. And, you know, the people around you just feel a little bit different and you wonder like you know why is this me but okay this is me 
and I'm going to work with that. And, uh, you know, I've uh, always like settled into the, the space of being an exception. Like, yes, I might be bigger, but you know, I am really funny. Um, but I'm really confident, you know, all these ways that we overcompensate for this one thing that's bothering us, this one thing that feels different. And, and so when you say it's interesting, your language there, when you say, um, but I'm funny, but I'm confident, does that mean that the positive attributes that you feel are constantly kind of tethered to this one thing that you're like, well, I'm the funny fat girl. Like, do you have, is that in your mind that way? Um, maybe subconsciously. And it's funny, I still even like feel like a ping when I hear you say that. You when know? I say when I say yeah, fat girl, yeah, it's, specifically it's such that, a word. It's such a word, word that I've like, yeah. you know, you dance around it your whole life. Like, you know, I'm not gonna be defined by this one thing. Um, but meanwhile you're defining yourself by that one thing every single day. You know, um, you create this personality, you create this way to prove to everyone else that you're more than just this thing, but in your mind you're really just limiting yourself to this thing. Um so the last year has been a lot of self-work on that and a lot of accepting that, but also not defining myself by it. So when you talk about these words like plus size curve, I posted something on my Instagram the other day. I got to be in an editorial for a fashion brand and I wrote this whole description about, you know, stepping into that and deciding that I deserve to be in front of the camera as well and what that means to me. And in the end, I think the brand for being willing to let a plus size model represent them. And somebody commented on my post and they said, you don't need to define yourself as a plus size model. You can just say that you're a model. And it really made me wonder how putting this word into the description is me like patting myself against the world and saying, hey, look, like, um, you know, I'm no, I'm not what you think a model is, but, you know, thank you for letting a plus size model, you know, why did I feel the need to define that and make that exception? It sounds like it's kind of an ongoing process of uh, reassessing the language that you're using and how you're thinking about yourself. I think part of what was really compelling, I mean, we started a photo shoot, now we're having a podcast. It's beautiful. Part of it was, um, me feeling admiration about how you're you're not just doing it for you you're doing it for other girls um i think men too potentially but i think that there's the gender thing is is key as well do you feel that way do you feel that that in terms of expressing yourself uh, in this bold way to to encourage others to do that do you think more about women or men or like i think that i've definitely been drawn to women a lot more um i have gotten a few messages from men where they're, you know, they've expressed a thank you as well and said like, Hey, like, listen, this is a problem for men too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it's, it's beautiful that they've reached out to you too. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, curious. There's, there's my favorite type of comments that I'll get, you know, about a year ago, I decided that I was going to put myself on my page as well. If you go back over a year, it's all photography of other people. And about a year ago, I decided as I moved to San Francisco and started a new chapter that I was going to step in to my brand and to my space. And so I've gotten a lot of comments and messages from women. And my favorite types are when they describe their story, when they describe this one thing they can't accept about themselves. And it does stick out when it's a man um, that messages me because 
It's very true. I mean, I think that men have their own side of the coin there, you know. They're expected to be this, you know, muscular or lean or dad bod. Like, what are these limits that we're putting on them as well? So I've definitely done more work on the women's side of it, but I'm certainly not doubting that there's a male side as well. Well, it's interesting what you were saying earlier of like, you know, but I'm funny, but I'm confident. I think for men... There's like the funny, chubby guy kind of, there's like a type. There's mm-hmm. in, in, we look at a lot of our, our modern archetypes are so much in, in the movies, you know, and, you know, Chris Farley, for example, it's like, oh my God, he's so funny, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it's, it's interesting. And, and the gender thing's yeah. interesting too. Yeah. Why do we have to define these redeeming qualities? Mm, you know? Yeah. And, you know, where does the, where's the line drawn between celebration and acceptance you know, um, where can I still want to improve my life, but also love where I'm at right now? You know, that improve your life, but love where you're at right now is the core message of Tara Brock's book, Radical Self, Radical Acceptance, Radical Self Acceptance. I think Radical Acceptance. Um, really killer book. And what mm-hmm. she essentially says, she's a Buddhist teacher. She leads retreats. Um, she does great meditations. Uh, if you want to listen, she has a podcast and she has great meditations in her podcast. Tara Brock in that book essentially says there is no path to change that is, does not come from self-acceptance mm. and that you accept yourself fully and completely exactly as you are. And that allows the, the being that you are to bloom into the change you wish to see. But if you're trying to change because you don't love yourself, you won't be able to make that change. Yeah. It's, it's a, that's the core of her lesson. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it really does. And I've found that, you know, we need to, you know, thank our bodies for doing all that they do for us. Um, because it's not like, you know, um, any other kind of habit that you're trying to undo, like your relationship with food and movement is something that will be with you for your entire life. So this is something that needs care and maintenance and love. It's not something that you can, you can't hate your way there. Yeah. The, um, my third podcast was with Rebecca Jean, who's a nutritionist and started a, a nutrition company. And I titled the podcast, The Secret to a Perfect Festival Body. And at the time, it was a little bit of a clickbaity title. Mm-hmm. And the, the episode bears out that the, the, the lesson is, the key to a perfect body is to love your body, and that makes it perfect. The reason I bring that up, in part, I think maybe I'm trying to redeem that bad title. <laughs> um, but, but also the idea that, uh, that loving your body is the path to a perfect body. And what a perfect body is, is a perfect body is the best vehicle to help you attain your dreams. Mm. So a perfect body is not big or small or tall or short or whatever. A perfect body is healthy. You know, a perfect body is the body that, uh, or mm, not that a perfect body is healthy, because, but a perfect body is one in which health investments are made. Right. You know, um, I think that's an accurate yeah, description. I think so too. And it's one that you, you know, you invest in your self-care, right? Um, so instead of me saying like, how can I lose weight? How can I do this to look better for other people? How can I make myself more palatable to the masses? How can I make myself you know, um, better for others. Like, it's like, how can I invest in myself so that this body serves me better so that, you know, my relationship with it, it understands that I care. It understands that, you know, I will take the time to invest in it feeling better tomorrow or it, you know, uh, walking forward. And I think that that's something 
that I'm trying to focus on now and like how can I improve my health for me how can I improve my self-care for me as opposed to how can I look better for others Um, and that's something that with my photography and my work I shoot a lot of women and I shoot a lot of very sexy clothes on women and I truly believe that I try to help my models feel sexy for themselves and for the people that are going to be seeing these images to feel that, you know, self empowerment as opposed to, you know, looking sexy for the male gaze. And this is interesting as I shoot lingerie and it comes out different in my opinion than the kind of, you know, Playboy-esque energy. Um, so I just feel like it ties so much into body image on, you know, feeling present and feeling empowered and feeling fully there in yourself. And when you're talking about the perfect body, it really is just a decision internally. Like I am perfect in this moment for everything that I've been through and everything that I will go through right now. I'm perfect and I've done the best I can and I can do better tomorrow. Um, if I decide that that's something that will serve me. When, what I love in your description of that is you're talking about your relationship to your body as one of gratitude and generosity. And my what I give to my body to make my body healthy comes from the love of my, my body, not just mm-hmm. self-love in the abstract. I love myself, but like I love my body. I want to feed my body the things that, that make me optimal. I want to, and that, that relationship is so key. Have you always had that relationship or when did it develop for you? You know what? Um, I definitely didn't grow up eating the best things for myself. You know, Um, I, we, we grew up when I was growing up, it was the age of the go-gurt. Like it was the age of the fruit roll up. It was the age of the pop tart. It wasn't cute. The age of the pop tart. It was the age of the pop tart. Um, You know, and I think that as awareness, as we get resources like podcasts with nutritionists, as we, you know, learn more and more, it really becomes our responsibility to decide what's best and what the best way to move forward is. And so I'm definitely not speaking from a place of having it figured out right now, but these are things that I'm thinking about and that I'm hoping to figure out so that I can help myself in that way. Uh, But I think it is, you know, so important, like you said, to love yourself the way there, because I realized that hating my body and hating myself was not going to help me fix it. And, you know, maybe like the definition of fixing it could be a little bit different as well. How do you feel as a photographer who shoots um, beautiful people at festivals about the marketing of festivals and festival fashion brands? And I mean, if you look at most festival marketing, there's beautiful women forefronted. Mm-hmm. I mean, even conscious, even so-called conscious festivals, right. it's about the, you know, the pretty girl in living her best life on the beach or right. whatever. Yeah, I think that there's two sides to this, right? So there's the marketing of festival fashion, then there's the marketing of festivals. And so the marketing of festivals, I think a lot of photographers really do focus on finding those beautiful moments and capturing like you know there can be a beautiful moment of energy between two people who might not necessarily be the poster child of beautiful but if you are seeing an advertisement for a festival it's probably going to be you know this attractive experience that we want to attain so what levels of that is subconsciously perpetrating this beautiful people beautiful places mentality um and i think the focus is there to look for beautiful moments but i do think that that is a prevalent And as I book models, you know, um, 
it's been a really cool experience to book women of all different colors and uh, shapes and, you know, now more gender fluid models. And I'm noticing a lot of brands are doing more size inclusive. A lot of brands are coming out with like curvier lines and things like that. I noticed that with Dolls Kill recently. Yeah, they are. Um, I know that iHeartRaves is doing that as well. And then all these smaller brands, you know, I really found this industry of festival fashion to be so accommodating once I decided I deserve to ask because of the individual creator's ability to create something custom, create something customized. And, you know, that's not always necessarily a price point that most people can afford. Um, But it really was crazy to me how many people were willing to work with me once I asked them to. Um, But going back to what you're saying, so I don't skirt around it, um, there is a tendency to book the beautiful person, to book the beautiful people in this industry. And, you know, I wonder what the what a solution is there, if a solution is something that's needed. Um, because the goal is to make f- people feel like they belong, right? Um, so I've had a few messages from people asking me to book people of different sizes, people of different colors when it hasn't been so prevalent in my feed. And so I think that the people on the marketing side of the industry do have a responsibility to represent the diversity in many forms. Um, And it's something that we always have to keep staying accountable for. It's like maybe we check in, you know, with our brand, our festival, our people being represented. Um, And I think that that's something that the answer takes consistent maintenance. A little, a few moments ago, you, you mentioned things changed when you made the decision to ask. Um, and I'm curious what changed for you that empowered you to make the decision to ask? Mm. Yeah, I had been working with a lot of different brands and one brand in particular is called Warrior Within. They're based here in San Francisco. They make a lot of onesies. They make a lot of um, really beautiful designs. And I remember I asked them to dress me for lightning in a bottle or no, actually I did a photo shoot for one of their partners. He created fabric that they collabed with their onesies and I asked in trade to receive this beautiful onesie and the colors were pink and orange and it was just incredible. And I hung it up in my room for months and I said, this is my goal outfit. When I lose the weight, I am going to wear this and I'm going to look so good and I'm going to wear it for festival season. And it just sat there hanging up in my room for months. And one day I just decided to try it on. I was like, let me see how tight it is. Let me see, you know. And I put it on and all of a sudden it zipped and it went on and it was this like spandex that stretched. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror saying, could I actually wear something like this? You know, I can't believe it actually fit this gold piece that I had been waiting for months for. And I had not been doing the work to get into it. Um, It had just been sitting there reminding me of, these things that I wasn't. And I put it on and I realized it was the things that I already was. And so I remember that feeling of looking in the mirror and wondering, you know, I took some photos on my phone, you know, sent it out to a friend, like, like, do you think I could actually wear this? And at LIB, a few weeks later, you know, super modest, super, super small still, put it on, you know, tied some things around my waist, hid certain curves, and I wore it. And that LIB was probably... 
three years ago now. Um, and that was the garment that started it for me and it made me realize that I had options. And so I started trying things on that I never would have before because in my head I had all these walls up that said, that isn't going to work. That's not going to fit. Um, and once I started deciding to try things anyway, it all kind of fell from there. Do you watch the show Euphoria? I've seen probably about five or six episodes okay. of it. There's a there's a woman in that show, um, and I forget the character's name, but um, she is the most, to me, just the most sexually expressed mm. and and the most just like confident and badass in her sexuality in the show. And um, I forget, the, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, her name's Kat. Cat, yeah, yeah, cat, yeah, cat, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, kitty, the kitten queen, the kitten queen, <laughs> yeah, God, and um, she, I mean, I, I love that show. I'll yeah. just give a shout out to you for it. I love the eye makeup stuff mm-hmm. on it. Like, God, I mean, and um, the uh, the transgender girl mm-hmm. who is just the most adorable. Like, God, what a great show. Yeah, cat. When you were talking about getting into that outfit and going out like as you it kind of made me think a little bit of cat in that show like Mm -hmm. just being like i'm this and then just like just the sexuality and the openness and the being Mm -hmm. and um i mean especially with curves like curves are sensual like i am made of sensuality why is that so repressed Mm -hmm. you know why is it like you know we're viewed as like um you know curvy women or like fat women or plus size women aren't sexy right that's like the ingrained subconscious thing to work on right that's the that's the belief to overcome and then when you start really stepping into that and stepping into their power i mean there's power in sexuality and there's power in sensuality and not necessarily involving anybody else but just like feeling that within yourself and that energy that we're that we come from um and walking with that i think has been really empowering Mm. you you mentioned two things earlier that um struck me because they were new because I, they're just not things I thought of. One, you were saying that um, plus-size women, what term should I use when I'm speaking in this moment? Well, it, it's interesting. Like, I have on my bio, like, cur- curve model. Like, curve model, I like curve that. Curve model, like, I, I like the word curve. I, I like the word plush. Plush? <laughs> plush? So plush. For, plush, for plush women, for curvy women, um, two things that you said that struck out to me, uh, stuck out to me. One, you should wear black because it's, it's thinning mm-hmm. and that the black wearing black makes you small. Um, and then you, you were talking about being in the supermarket and maybe today I'll pull my shoulders back. <laughs> the idea that pulling your shoulders in yeah. um, makes you small. And what lit me up in terms of wanting to have a conversation from our photo shoot. Now we're having this conversation. You talked about this, this painful irony, this, this tragic paradox that, uh, that plush women, that curvy mamas, that big, beautiful, <laughs> fabulous women, their whole go- th- there's such a goal to make yourself feel small. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could point out maybe some other versions of that that you've experienced in mm-hmm. your life of of the ways that you've uh, felt small, ways that you've made yourself small, and then how you, what you do now, like what it's like yeah. for you now that, you, that you're that you feeling more empowered. Yeah, I think like this concept of walking somewhere with your shoulders back, right? Um, sometimes it feels like when you walk into a room, 
and it's full of people that you've never met before that they look at you and they only see one thing. And, you know, maybe that's just like the mental space that you're at, right? Um, where you walk in and you say, okay, like they all see this thing about me, but how am I going to connect regardless? And I think that walking into a room with your shoulders back and like commanding that space and not having this just force of control on everything um, is so empowering and, you know, speaking out in different ways, um, not only posing in certain angles that make you look small or, um, you know, I definitely think that there's the way that you're present physically and how your energy speaks and it's open and like, go ahead, look at me. And, you know, I am also think that there's also online, right? And so there's like certain, like the one unacceptable curve, right? Like I don't want to show my stomach in any photos or I don't want that to look um, prominent in anything. And then uh, for me, it's been like this challenge of like, okay, maybe I should post a photo where you can see my stomach a little bit more. And I'll accept that through posting it. And and the response that I get back, I understand that this is something that is normal. This is something that's regular. And um, go ahead, look at me. And so I think everything kind of comes back to you know, fully standing in that power and not being afraid to be seen and all the ways that I've felt in the past that I shouldn't, I guess, be seen. Um, with, you know, the wearing all black, like there's the two sides to it. There's how it can be like sexy and slinky and like you should wear black because you want to feel like that energy and you want to feel that sexy and slinky. And then there's wearing it because, you know, this is hiding my stomach. This is hiding these curves. It makes me look small. And so I think it's making every decision because of how you want to embody your energy and not worrying about how other people are going to see it. Like, you know, how do you feel about you today? How do I feel about this rainbow thing I'm wearing? I don't care if somebody's going to glare at me on hate street for wearing it. Um, I got a momentarily distracted because there was a siren. Yeah. I love when that happens in the middle of a sentence. Yeah? Why do you love that? Because <laughs> I'm just like, okay, how am I going to pull myself out of this one? Wait, it's, it's Throw a, me a rope, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's, it's funny because it, like, I don't really have a lot of sound yeah. stuff. I usually record in my home here. Um, and the one thing is a siren. And, and the listener will forgive a siren. But it's funny because it, I'm with you and I'm like, mm -hmm. listen... I. When I'm doing a podcast, I'm listening for where does this story want to go next? If yeah. I were the listener, what piece do I want ex expounded upon? And um, sometimes if I say expounded and I'm like, is that where it should that be expanded? Um, uh, <laughs> or if there's a siren or something like that, I'll be it's it's almost like a like a kind of mystical dance that we're in and I'm listening and I'm like, ah, and let's open this door now. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I'll forget where all the doors are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's an interesting journey. Um, well, sh do you want to take a pause considering we had a natural pause? Do you want to take a pause and do a little more shooting and then, yeah. and then let things pop up a little yeah, bit as they do? I think that would be good. Okay, great. Because we've been all over the place and our minds have gone all over the place, we're going to close our eyes again and we're going to take five big deep breaths, fill up the whole stomach, the whole diaphragm, breathe in and out. 
call all your energy back to you, every part of you that is in conversation with others, worrying about other things, other dates, other objectives and deadlines. Call it all back. The greatest gift that you can give yourself, where you're going, your content, and anybody who sees it is to be fully present, and we do that through the eyes. So you're going to take one more deep breath, a really juicy one, a gift to yourself. Yeah, yeah, shake it out. And then you're going to open and be fully present in your eyes and fully confident and fully embodied, and you're going to look into the lens. I tell my subjects a lot that like modeling for me is a lot like dancing. It's a lot of kind of a flow. So you flow into one spot that feels good and you like really sit into it and then you like look into another. And if it feels awkward or feels weird, it probably looks that way. Mm. Um, so a lot of times I'm shooting women that are like fully expressive and just, you know, using their arms a lot more. So it's interesting doing it. In I, the, I can do that. I can yeah. be the fully expressed woman with the arms flowing. You truly could. I've got, I got a closet full of kimonos. <laughs> a closet full of kimonos like the equivalent of a pocket full of sunshine <laughs> so i'm gonna have you look this way one more time beautiful and i'm gonna check my light it's not you it's me with your blessing it would be wonderful to kind of remix some shots from this and you know maybe take even more than one shot or I love that. um and just and create something that to the point of the original invitation embodies the mission of this podcast, which is happening right now. The, the mission of the podcast is the inspiration to be fully self-expressed and to vulnerably share in a way that serves others, which is exactly what you here are doing in my home. And so we re decided to record it and we're going to get that shot. You listener, Thank you for joining us on this. This is kind of fun, right? It's experimental. Yeah, it was a very interesting experience to speak so openly about something that you've tried to hide your whole life or pretend isn't there. And speaking openly about that is kind of scary. Have you ever spoken publicly about this? I mean, I know you've posted someone about it, but have you, you know, spoken? The the posts that are coming up and the captions that I'm writing have been very like heartfelt. I've shared a few experiences I've had, but aside from speaking to friends, I've never like physically used my voice to express this. And so you think about all right, a speaker is speaking from point A to point B, right? And point B is supposed to hear it, but maybe the act of speaking about it is very healing for point A as well. And speaking about it in this way is, you know, a new form of claiming it in a way. Well, and that's the point of the podcast. That's why the podcast isn't content. This podcast is not content. It, this podcast is a re an experience that you and I are having. And so <laughs> um, and so now, whatever degree having this conversation with me in this public open way is is healing for you and empowering for you and moving you forward along your path, however that shows up, that is a successful podcast. Now that we're coming back into a little settled space, how was the photo shoot for you? It was really cool to be working with the different types of lighting as opposed to being out in the desert or, you know, in a controlled space with a lighting kit. And so 
I think that finding the places that resonate with you and then also doing the math behind the lighting. It's What do you mean the math behind the lighting? Like is the lighting hitting your face the right way? Is it, you know, how is, is the back blown out? Can I see anything through your windows? It's like a lot of baby calculations going on in my head. And then it's also, you know, how's the body shaping? How's it looking? Like when we were in your room, um, making it so that your head is in the middle of the tapestry so that everything looks right with the centering and displacement. How how long have you been doing this project where you're photographing artists in their homes? Well, it has been very sporadic and spread out over time. I personally have an interest in decorating my space and I've been able to work with a few artists that I've just ended up in their homes for different reasons and I've asked if I could photograph them there. Um, one in particular is my good friend Marina Feeney and she's a plexiglass artist and makes jewelry and furniture and door beads and her home looks like Lisa Frank threw up. It is so beautiful. Lisa Frank looks like Lisa Frank threw up. <laughs> exactly. But imagine that as a home. Um, and I got to work with her and she's become one of my close friends. And just photographing her in her space was something that she hadn't had before. And then about a year later, I went to Phoenix and I met another artist named Oliver Hibbert, who's another very colorful, eccentric artist. And I asked him if he would mind if I photographed him in his home. And I realized all of these artists and people who design their spaces um, to be conducive to their art and also, you know, welcoming and interesting and reflect who they are had never been photographed in their space. Like, have you ever been photographed in your home? No. And so, no, I'm not, I'm not had that. And what's the plan for the project? So what you, you shoot them in their home and then what are you doing with the photos? Are you working with them? Are you planning to put it all together? What's the... Um, I think right now it's personally seeing how the outer space, outer space, how the um, the space of an artist reflects the internal process, as well as inspiring others to create a space where they can truly be productive. You know, with a podcast, you get a guest, you have a great conversation, that guest feels good about it. They mention it to a friend. You're ta- you you're approaching another guest, and you can reference this guest. You know, you start with your own network, but then you begin to move out of it when your content gets a reputation. And I, you know, thinking about what you're doing with this series of artists in their homes, you could potentially do a similar process. However much time you want to invest in this, and um, as you're able to get more well-known people get more momentum on the project itself and whether that project might look like a coffee table book at some point or it might just be you know a website with a with the social media presence that's specific things the artists that you continue to get will promote it themselves and you can get that momentum going how how do you feel about the earlier conversation in terms of because I feel like we had kind of an invitation into that conversation, and to me that's there's a lot of playful talk that we've had while shooting, but the idea of 
you're blossoming into self-empowerment in terms of being a curvy woman who's also a photographer and the representation in the world. I just want to make sure that we got to chat about everything that is most dear to your heart in that space so Mm -hmm. that when I cobble this together into something that people can listen to, that we feel complete in terms of what you'd most like to share. Right. Um, Well, I think that something that's such a huge aspect of photography is the perspective. What angle are you shooting at? You know, do you have what items are in the shot? Um, Do we like the pose? You know, what's the perspective? And so I've been creating art for so long where my perspective is, you know, something that is empowered, something that shows people in movement and motion, happy and colorful. And I really think that that's been drawing a lot of parallels for me lately of, you know, what perspective do I want to look at myself in? Like, what lens do I want to look at myself in? Um, And I think, you know, looking at myself as art in that way has been a really beautiful thing. Um, I remember reading about how John Lennon and Yoko Ono used to uh, say that everything that they do is art, from the way that they walk down the street, the way that they talk to somebody, um, to, you know, their displays. And I really feel like looking at myself as art and uh, through this context of perspective has been really great thing. So uh, looking at myself and uh, redefining the language that I'm using to talk about myself and um, redefining the perspective in which I look at myself, it doesn't have to be this, you know, um, this hiding of a thing. It can be wearing it on your sleeve saying, this is the mountain I have to climb and I'm going to climb it and I'm going to do so publicly so that you can climb it as well. And I think that's been something interesting to wiggle into. It's been, seems like it should be uncomfortable to speak about it with you, but it's felt good to speak about it. So I feel good about everything that we created and recorded. Me too. Yeah. What What is the most meaningful piece of feedback that you've received from another person about this empowered expression of yourself in the world? The most meaningful feedback. I think it really has been through the context of the response that I've gotten from like bearing myself online. And I know in many ways that can sing of validation and it can sing of, you know, public approval, but At the same time, I started noticing over the last year that the photos I would post of myself are doing double to triple the amount better than the photos that I've posted of my photography. And I realized that most of those images are when I share a story or when I use my voice. And I think that just the general response that I'm getting shows that people are valuing authenticity right now and they're valuing that vulnerability and in general I feel like the energy that I get back from that has been really really helpful Um, more so than a piece of advice that I could use or a piece of advice that I could think of right now so where can people find you if they want to be inspired in this way yeah um, my Instagram is Lizzie Rose Media it's L-I-Z-Z-I-E-R-O-S-E-M-E-D-I-A And uh, I try to take an interest in replying to every message or comment that I get because I get 
a lot of really powerful stories um, where people feel like they have the ability to open up to. And I just, I think that's probably the most rewarding part of the process. Well, I, for one, feel very inspired by you. And I... I've been inspired by you for a very long time. Oh, well, this is great that we got this together. You know, I when you were saying that you were in San Francisco and wanted to shoot people, I, in my, you know, infinite vanity, <laughs> was like, well, shoot me, come shoot me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've known each other for a while. And, and I just, it's a real treat that this photo shoot also turned into a podcast. And I hadn't really thought about platforming uh, a curvy woman in this way i hadn't it just hadn't percolated right but the idea of of choosing a photographer who's so close to this and who's thought so much about the representation of people in the world Mm -hmm. who then steps into her own power and sees three times the response on social media for her stories about her own empowerment as opposed to her beautiful photography which is also getting so much such a beautiful response on social media that's a great fucking story (laughs) I'm a sucker for a good story. Well, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for expressing it that way. I haven't thought about it through that perspective. Yeah. Well, you told a great story today and, and I hope that this podcast will, I'm sure that this podcast will only serve to expand this message that you've been sharing. And I want to say that it's not just for, you know, this specific type of body image. It's any sort of internal limitation that we place on ourselves and compensate for any reason that we feel that we're not good enough, that we feel that we're not enough. You know, I invite whoever is listening right now to take a deep breath in and out and be fully present and to walk with a little bit more strength and power over that limitation for yourself. And like we said earlier, when you fully radiate your authenticity and who you are, you enlist others to do the same. You give them permission to do the same. And so by shining your light, I truly believe that we can cause those ripple effects. And so anything that might be holding you back, I invite you to release it a little bit today. Damn, Lizzie. That's a mic drop. Yeah. I won't drop your mic. Thank you for joining us on Life is a Festival. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support it by sharing it with your friends and leaving a review on iTunes, letting us know what you thought. If you'd like to keep up with me, you can visit my website, aimonarmstrong.com. That's E-A-M-O-N armstrong.com or Aimon Armstrong on your favorite social platforms. Thanks for tuning in. Together, we can make life a festival for everyone. See you on the dance floor. How'd the podcast go? Um... There were some times when I was in the middle of a sentence and I was like, what's the lifeline to get me to the end of the sentence? But I feel like it all flowed pretty well. Um, I was a little bit nervous in the beginning, but when I reduced it to simply a conversation, it felt a lot better. And when I shook off the idea of who's listening and just focused on what will come through, it felt a lot more fluid. Yeah, well, I've never done a podcast that, so quickly went from like, where's the conversation? And we're doing a photo shoot. And be like, this is worth a podcast. Like, let's do one right now. So I wasn't prepared. I, I usually do a lot of research, a lot yeah. of preparation. I wasn't prepared. Um, but I could, 
I could tell because I was learning mm. some of the things that you were saying. I was like, I had not thought of that at all. I right. hadn't had that perspective. Yeah. And then it turned into a podcast and kind of an uh, an interesting breaking the fourth wall kind of podcast because we're doing a photo right. shoot and talking about <laughs> photography. There's and, a lot of things going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm so grateful that we did it and I really yeah, appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, that was a very nice surprise in my day and one that will definitely empower the rest of it and a few more. Awesome. Yeah.